0: It's our great privilege tonight, and we've had a, a, a very special treat today. Bill Perry and Nathan Scott have uh, traveled 300 and something miles from South Carolina down to be with us. And uh, they've got a, a word for us, and they're going to share some time with us. I think Bill will be bringing the word, but Nathan will have some stuff to say, too. And uh, it's just a good, good night. We're glad to have them. Y'all make them welcome. I guess Bill will start or Nathan will start. Y'all make Bill welcome, okay? Give him a warm South Georgia welcome. Yeah, if I could just stay down here, that'd be great. I feel much more comfortable. You know what? Uh, Keith, that stool, that white stool right over there with that um, thing will work perfect if somebody can. Yeah. I have used congas before. Yeah. Oh, they work great. Yeah, that's perfect right there. That'll do it. That's all I need right there. Thank you much. Well, good evening, Jessup, Georgia. First time in Jessup. This is an awesome place. Uh, Do I need to do something differently? What? Step to the side. You know... uh, all right. Pardon us while we relocate. Yeah, that's good. How'm I doing now? How's that working for me? All right. <laughs> we're very excited to be here. We um. We're from Morning Star Fellowship Church there in Fort Mill, South Carolina. I was stunned to figure out the 300 miles to anywhere from South Carolina to get to Georgia. I figured to go 300 miles, you ought to at least make Florida, but. Just didn't work out all that well for us. We uh, ended up here. We have a number of things we feel like the Lord's given us for you guys. We're just going to share a little bit and uh, probably we'll release some ministry in the course of the teaching and understand you guys are fairly flexible. And uh, so we're just going to bring what we've got and put it out there and see what happens. Lord, I ask you to help us tonight. We are so grateful for your kindness, so grateful, God, that you have chosen us, you've selected us out from wherever we were before you got a hold of us, and we're really glad to be here instead of there tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Just a little bit about me, I come originally from the mountains of North Carolina, so I may use some phraseology, I think it probably will work well in South Georgia, but if something doesn't make sense, in fact, I i don't even think this is a good phrase to use, and I probably shouldn't say it down here, but I, I threw this one out on Sunday with our congregation. Um, where I come from, people say crazy stuff that don't make any sense. Does that ever happen down here? I mean, I grew up with people saying things like, if you did something extraordinary, like if Nathan did something extraordinary, very out of character, you might hear something like this, boy, old Nathan bout hair-lipped Bear Creek when he did such and such. And I, for some reason, worked that into a message Sunday morning, not meaning to, it just came out, and I realized nobody was with me. They were still trying to figure out where Bear Creek was and what it looked like if Bear Creek got hair So if I say anything that doesn't make sense like that, I apologize, it's because I come from a strange part of North Carolina Uh, understand that there are some folks here with roots in the primitive Baptist church Uh, where I come from if you were primitive Baptist your rhythm section uh, typically would include a rattle attached to the tail of a venomous snake so um, it's just how I grew up and it's not an apology it's just an explanation that if things go south a little bit just raise your hand say you're not making sense and We'll try to get back on course. You guys are really digging a well down here. Um, Actually, what you're doing, you're opening a well that existed here previously. I didn't really understand that until we got here tonight. Keith began to explain a little bit about the origins of the property. There's some connection with this property and uh, an outflowing from Azusa Street back in 1906... 1907 that the physical property we're standing on represents a well of revival from which uh pentecost or our charismatic experiences begin to to emerge and i understand that this was sort of an, a regional revival center in its in its early days this very property that we're standing on and while I was standing back there worshiping tonight by the way really enjoyed just that holy focused worship Just setting your eyes on him and going after him and not having regard for uh, time, space, or dimension. That really was enjoyable just getting his presence there. One of the things I saw tonight was that you guys are opening this well of revival. And when I saw that, the Lord said, these guys are qualified to represent me in this area. And I thought, well, that did not make any sense. We're all qualified. He's qualified us. It's His blood that's enabled us. We're fit uh, because of His sacrifice. But there's something about establishing your qualification that only comes through surviving certain tests. Three or four years ago, my wife and I have been in ministry. Uh, I've been in ministry for 22 years now. I started when I was three. I've been in ministry for 22 years, and my wife, uh, whom I've been married for almost 17 years now, she's been with me across that period of time. We got to a point three or four years ago where we were so discouraged by not seeing what we expected or what we anticipated that we finally decided to give up, quit and go do something else altogether. I was going to go fly airplanes for a guy who had a good business. He could put me in a nice plane. I could fly to my heart's content, which is uh, a passion of mine. I, I love to fly. And so I had this opportunity pop up, and opportunities like that come along at very opportune moments. Uh, and so I thought, you know what? This ministry thing's just not working out all that well. Let's go fly a kite, Let, you know, in, in so many words. Let's go do something completely other. We decided that we were going to quit with this rationalization. You know, we can serve God there too because the church is the church wherever the church is. The problem with that is, it's not my calling to fly airplanes as a profession. That's supposed to be my passion and hobby. It's my calling to help people connect with heaven and learn how to introduce other people to the reality of another world. That's my calling. And so, anyhow, we, we spend about three months in hell. Is it, uh, sorry, is it okay if we... Can I, can I just go it's ahead? All right. Uh, it's what? It's a Bible word. It's a Bible word. There you go. It's in the Bible. We spend about three months just in turmoil emotionally about this whole thing. I have a great group of friends that I'm surrounded with in ministry. When I told them my plan... Uh, they used some words with me that weren't in the Bible. <laughs> and in so many words, told me I was just nuts for thinking about it. Told me that this would cost me years of my, of my calling. It would cost me time in terms of my children. Uh, if I stepped out of the plan, it would take me years to get back on course. And so here we are. We've spent three months coming to this place of decision. We're satisfied that we're doing the thing that's best for us. They're telling me that I'm not, and I had a decision to make. Do I trust the people that I have chosen to surround myself with? And even if it means uh, acknowledging that I am temporarily insane, or do I go ahead and hatch this thing off and relieve myself of the pressure that I'm currently feeling. Well, we went with wise counsel. We chose to stay the course, and that one decision has opened up for us, even though I was crazy. You know you can be crazy and God still be kind to you? See, she understands. I'm just kidding, sorry. You can be crazy and God still be nice to you. Out of that one decision to stay the course, we've stepped in in the last two and a half years to the thing that we were frustrated that we weren't seeing. I was reminded of that story. I really don't think about things like that all that much because I'm not the kind of guy that thinks about what's behind me. There's an old movie about a road race called the cannonball run. If anybody's more than 25 years old, you might remember this movie. The Italian driver in the car at one point Looks in the rearview mirror, reaches out, rips it off, tosses it into the wind, and keeps pressing on. He said, What's a behind us is a not important. And so, this thing from a couple of years ago is just not all that important. So, I don't think about it very often, but I thought about it tonight when the Lord said that these people have qualified themselves. You've passed the test, you made the decision in a hard season to stay the course. And to fulfill your calling and even if it wasn't you staying in that place you chose to support a group of people who have made that decision in a difficult time. And because of that you've already turned a corner even though you don't fully see the fruit of what you've been hoping for. The turn's already been made and I really feel like there are some some surprises in store uh, for you guys as a ministry. The one thing I felt to tell you is this don't go changing. I, I'm telling you, guys, this prophetic stuff's not all it's cracked up to be in terms of you know, the religious world. Uh, got to use anything from your past. He'll bring stuff up, remind you. I heard the words of an old Billy Joel song just a little bit ago Don't go changing to try and please me. I love you just the way you are. Don't change what you're doing. Don't change what you're doing because you've got a stamp of approval. From the father on what's here, the increase will follow that stamp, not the other way around. You don't get the people, and you use that to judge whether you have the approval or not. The approval's already been given. the increase is on the way. So that's some prophetic stuff that's working on me tonight. Um, yeah, we'll get there in just a minute. And uh, you know, here's what you said tonight. You weren't talking about this. you were talking about your ministry to the homeless. You looked at me, and with a resolve that I have not seen on your face either before or since, that one moment, you looked at me in a very strange way, and you said, we'll never quit. And I heard what you were saying about the homeless ministry, but I heard something about your calling. It's that resolve that's going to gain you the grace to go where you're called to do in this city. And I just want to honor your leadership for having that kind of resolve to stay the course. I understand that 2007 was an interesting year. To say the least, that probably is across the board. And so God's seen that you're faithful. The process of establishing your qualification is done and the stamp of approval's been issued. All that's left is to reap the benefits of the harvest that's on the way. So I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about living a supernatural lifestyle. Living under an open heaven. One of the things that this city needs to, to realize is that there is a potential to live without limits. When you live in a geographic area, and I live in a similar area myself, when you live in a geographic area uh, that's not as economically prosperous as areas outside larger cities, that kind of thing, I grew up in this kind of area. I currently am responsible for a work that's, that's functioning in an area like that. There are times when you begin to believe the press about the area that you've been sent to. And you start to think, well, maybe there are some limits. We can't do that in Jessup, Georgia. We can't, we can't have a revival center in Hartsville, South Carolina. It's too small. There's not, how are you going to have a revival center in Jessup, Georgia? This is a small place. How many of you traveled more than 10 miles to be here tonight? Raise your hand. How many of you traveled more than 20 miles to be here tonight? How many of you traveled more than 30? Can anybody top 50? All right. How far? How far? How far? Yeah. People start traveling distances like that, you have a revival center. You have a revival center. When people are willing to drive 50 miles to partake of whatever bread the Lord's breaking in this house, that's the early marks of a revival center. And people will come to a place where they can connect with the life of God. Our responsibility is to demonstrate to people who come, whether it's into these meetings or we encounter them on the streets or on our job, our responsibility is to demonstrate to them that we're aliens. Now that sounds strange, but we're responsible to demonstrate the reality of another world. See, we're strangers in a strange land. Some of us are stranger than others, but we're not going to go there tonight. We're strangers. We're strange people. We're aliens. We're foreigners. We're not of this place, but we're in this place. The problem is we've spent so much time in this place, whether it's Jessup or Hartsville or whatever other small town you have in have. We've spent so much time in this place, we begin to look more like this place than the world that we've been sent from. And it's time to get our identity back and begin to reflect the reality of the world from which we've been sent. You see, we're brokers of the heavenly realm. There's, this, there's, this, there's a storehouse at hand in Jessup, Georgia. You can reach into an invisible place tonight And take hold of a reality that's very different from the one that you're physically seated in. And so it really boils down to this. It doesn't matter what the economic situation in Jessup is. You have access to heavenly resource. We're called to demonstrate the reality of what it looks like when people live under an open heaven. See, we, we travel a good bit, different areas of the country. We go into places and, and we'll sit down with leaders, and the leaders will say, Oh, you don't understand the witchcraft that's facing us, this kind of thing. By the way, we heard none of that from Keith and Janie and the leadership in this. In this. We, we walked in here, we heard none of that from them. Nothing about the resistance, nothing about how difficult things are here. See, we go into some places, oh, you, you don't understand, like, like somehow the devil has a new thing. Uh, this brother that was playing the guitar tonight said it right. He, I think he was quoting something uh, out of Bethel, but he was talking about the fact Bill Johnson said, you know, you're not that big. Well, listen, here's what we figured out about the enemy. I, I am largely unimpressed with the devil. I have determined that I am going to live largely unimpressed with the devil because I read the book and here's what I found out. There's coming a day when he's going to be exposed for what he really is and it says that we're going to turn around and we're going to look at the, and we're going to say, no, you've got to be kidding me. You, you mean you're the one that caused nations to tremble? I was worried about you? I was worried about witchcraft. I was worried about poverty. Are you kidding? The, the threat of cancer. You're behind all that. And I mean, come on. I'm largely unimpressed. Now, you know, we've talked about this in meetings. Sometimes people get nervous. Aren't you afraid? Aren't you well, no. No, I'm not arrogant, but I'm just largely unimpressed. I figured out how big Daddy is. So, my life is dedicated to revealing the reality of the place that I've been sent from. My father gave me this promise in Luke 12:32, and I believe we share the same dad. I spoke with your father this morning and he said to tell you that he loved you. Luke 12:32 says, "Fear not, little flock; it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom." To release to you the, the realities of another world. It's, this is what Jesus is saying. Hey, don't be afraid. Don't get nervous. It is the Father's pleasure to release to you the entire reality of a hidden world. You now have access to a world that most of the people in Jessup, Georgia can't see. Now, alright, here we go. i got to pull out my fortune cookie. Hold on. Hold on. I told you it was going to get crazy. Where's my little fortunes here? I got two fortunes. I got up to, uh, I got up to our, our ministry center last night, and I thought I was going to survive on a bag of microwave popcorn, and about 9 o'clock I got hungry and went and bought Chinese food. Um, no, that's another. That's close encounter. Hold on. Oh, here it is. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So anyhow, I went and got Chinese food at 9 o'clock last night. Left fortune cookies laying on the table. I got up this morning. I thought, well, I'll just take a look at my fortune cookies and see if the Lord's got a word for me from the uh, fine folks who write these messages for fortune cookies. Uh, listen, I'm not advocating anything, okay? I'm just, you can clean all, clean all this stuff up next week. It'll be good. All right. Here's the first thing. I open this first one up, and I look at the thing, and it says, you discover treasure where others see nothing unusual. I thought, well, there you have it. I'm looking into a realm that they can't see. The next one was... Now, think about every fortune cookie you've ever read in your whole life and tell me if you ever heard this. Traveling to the South will bring you unexpected happiness. (laughs) See? (laughs) What are you going to do with that? I don't know, but this ain't God and I'm leaving. How many of you, this is your last time in these meetings, raise your hand, okay. I I don't know, I, I really, I just know that I get to access heaven and I get to tell people about it and it changes the way I think, it changes the way I feel, and it is my Father's good pleasure to give me that opportunity. See, the reason Jesus said don't be afraid, because He knows we get nervous, our fear in all of this is really birthed in an insecurity concerning the Father's heart for us. We, we say He's good. You know, I love Oral Roberts. God is good. Alright, all we got that whole thing down. I love Oral... But we've got that up here. We had not gotten it down here yet. God really is good all the time. He can't change how He is... My Father has good pleasure in revealing to me a realm that most of the people in Jessup, Georgia can't see, but I can. It's my responsibility to go into that realm, to live there, and to show them down here what it looks like. I'm living in two worlds at the same time. I'm I'm in a messed up life, but I live in heaven and I live on the earth at the same time. And your high calling is to demonstrate what it looks like When an individual dwells in heaven and on the earth at the same time. And oh, brains are starting to smoke right now. There's fire beginning to come out of the ears. All right. We got to figure out that God is for us. See, this kind of thing can be going on right next to you. The person beside you may be connected with heaven and getting a download right now, and you'd be completely unaware of it. Here's how I know that Jacob, Genesis 28, out there in the middle of nowhere, he said, good night, God lives in this place and I had no idea that He was here. It was just a moment in time of revelation. He sees these angels going up and down on this ladder, has this unbelievable encounter. He said, God, you've been here all the time and I had no idea. Like He just woke up. Now, um, uh, Natasha was singing, "It's, it's time to wake up. This whole thing about being shaken. It's time to wake up to who we are and the reality of the world that we really, really live in. I don't think we're convinced of heaven. We believe heaven's somewhere where we're going to go when we get done. I'm in heaven right now. Now, you think, well, hold on, pal. You hadn't spent enough time in Jessup, Georgia, to figure out where you are, but this ain't heaven. (laughs) Go to John chapter 3, and let me show you this. This is the part where I bring things out of the Bible so that you'll think we're doing good things with Scripture. (laughs) John chapter 3. Jesus says the craziest thing. He's an interesting individual. You know Jesus didn't just come to redeem us. You know what Jesus' primary mission was? Jesus came to show you what life would look like when God got in a body and walked around on the earth. And then He died to give you the resource to make it happen in your own life. All right, how about John 3.13? Watch this. No one has ever gone up to heaven, but there is one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man Himself, What does that next phrase say? Who Who what? Is Is Jesus confused about where He is? What position is He speaking from? Earth or heaven? Where is He physically when this statement's made? He's in the earth. What did He just say? He's in heaven. (laughs) Well, Jesus is confused. He don't know whether He's in heaven or on the earth. No, He's living in two places. At one time, He's operating out of a heavenly reality and demonstrating what heaven looks like in the earth. And He said this. This is the craziest thing. John 14, 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you the things that I do, the life that I lead, you will lead also in an even greater life will you demonstrate because I go to my Father which is in heaven. Jesus said, I've demonstrated some heavenly reality. Guess what? You can go beyond me. Jesus gives us permission to live even a greater demonstration of heaven than He did awesome awesome we're the household of god see jacob woke up from his sleep he said the lord's in this place i didn't know it he was afraid he said this is the house of god this is the gateway to heaven jesus shows up and he said i am jacob's ladder and you'll see that this you will see the angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He said, "I am your gateway into the realm of heaven. I am your point of access." And then he said, "I will dwell with you, and I will be what in you." In you. All right? Where's Jesus? Oh, you guys, I bet you never heard this one. These two little boys got called to the principal's office. They were kind of a rough crowd. It's kind you'd find where I grew up maybe even down here in Jessup, Georgia. These two little boys got sent to the principal's office. They had been scuffling, creating havoc for the teacher. First little boy goes in. The other little guy's sitting out in the hall. He's in there for about five minutes. He comes running out. The little boy's sitting on the chair outside the hall. He said, what's wrong? He said, well, I got in there, and the principal looked at me, and he said, son, he's trying to put the fear of the Lord in him. You know, he said, son, where's God? He said, I realize God's missing, and they think we have something to do with it. <laughs> and so anyhow... Where was I headed? That was profound and prophetic, wasn't it? Anyhow, yeah. Jesus is the access point. Where is Jesus? This is not a trick question. I know we seated at the right hand of the Father. But where's Jesus? In us. Now, the same Jesus says, I am the door. Is that right? So I have a door in me. The door is in me. That means my life is supposed to be a point of access for everybody around me to go into that place where God dwells and have a God encounter. My life is a door through which other people should be able to access the heavenly realm and the realm of the supernatural. That means when somebody has cancer, my life becomes a door through which they can access divine health. Yeah. When someone has a need, my life becomes a point of access through which they can secure financial resource for whatever they need. I become a channel somehow of the heavenly realm into the earth. This is the reality of 1 Corinthians chapter five, or 2 Corinthians five, where Paul said, "We are ambassadors for Christ. Now political science class, U.S. government, something. Along those lines, you may have heard this. An ambassador is an individual who is sent from one nation to live in another nation to be a representative of the nation from which he was sent. If you are a good ambassador, you only say... What the nation that sent you has authorized you to say. You only do what the nation that authorized you has, has, has given you permission to do in representing them. That sounds a whole lot like Jesus in John 12 and 13, doesn't it? I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father saying. And then Paul turns right around and says, you have the same kind of ministry. You have the same kind of responsibility in the earth. You're ambassadors for Christ. Here's the good news about being an ambassador. You get to live in an embassy. An embassy is a place in a foreign nation that is completely provided for by the nation that established the embassy. An embassy is a place in a foreign land that is completely secure not only from uh, danger most of the time. You understand where I'm going with this. But secure from danger when we have citizens that are outside the walls of our embassy, when they come into that place, their whole world changes because they can come into a place in that foreign land where the laws of the land that they were sent from apply. When I come into the embassy, when I come into the house of God, The laws of that land from which I have been sent into this world apply to me. The laws of the land outside the boundaries no longer have any effect on me. I have political asylum. I have diplomatic immunity. That's the reality of my life here on the earth. I have diplomatic immunity as an ambassador of heaven. What does that mean? That means Galatians 5 is true. It said if I walk by the Spirit... There is no law, there's no limit, there's no limitation that has effect on me when I'm operating out of the reality of the realm that I've been sent into the earth from. Now this gets, this is what we're called to do, we're called to help people begin to think differently, to help them understand that you can think about life without limits Wouldn't that be a message that would set Jessup, Georgia up on its edge and then probably turn it upside down? Because people here have been so conditioned to think with limits. To live within limits. God says of the man who operates by the Spirit, there's no law. Doesn't mean that there aren't things that control our lives, but those things now are internal and not external. There are no external limitations. I am limited by the law of love. That means I'm not going to do anything to hurt anybody in the process of exercising my freedom and my limitless capability in God. We are here as ambassadors representing Jesus. We got any English teachers in here? Anybody? Alright, let's just do a quick English test here, you and me representing let's break that into two words it has an ing on the end we'll disregard that what does the word represent what's it made up of re and present re and present so instead of we're representing jesus why don't you say this it's our life mission to re Present the son of god to present him again to demonstrate the reality that he demonstrated hey jesus did this yeah i can demonstrate that i'm going to represent him that's what it means to represent somebody's to present them again your calling in this city is to present jesus to jessup georgia to represent him present him again show him again show him again you know here's something that we tell each other if you want revival become one because you're carrying one on the inside of you it's not like he's you know has on days and off days you know i told you i talked to your daddy this morning he's having a good day you know jesus doesn't have a bad day he's not having an off day he's in you and so if we agree with the reality of the one who's on the inside of us we'll just become a walking revival thinking differently about how we approach this life. Paul said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove. Well, prove what? Prove the reality of a different world. Prove the will of God. Prove the provision of God. Prove the health of God. Prove the life of God. Prove the kindness, the joy, everything that heaven is comprised of. If we will not be conformed by the existing limitations... In our minds, we have a chance to prove a different reality to the people around us. And I'm telling you, when folks start seeing you live like I'm talking about, they'll want some of what you got. Because the scripture says it's the kindness of God, huh? That leads men to repentance. You will see folks repent when they figure out you've got a better way to live. To repent means to change the way that you think, they will change. How they think when they see that the way you think creates a different atmosphere and a different quality of life. Here's really, I mean, if you want to get into it, we're not just called to change. We're called to change the atmosphere. We started uh, praying about four years ago down in Wilmington, North Carolina. I planted a congregation down there several years ago. We began to pray that God would change the dream life of the community. We begin to pray these uh, prayers of atmospheric shift. You know, just sort of getting out there and praying crazy stuff to see what will happen. Lord, change the dream life in this community. We prayed that for about two weeks. We have a Tuesday night School of the Spirit meeting. We had a young man come in on a Tuesday night. He ends up meeting the Lord in this, in this encounter. We had this meeting, this Tuesday thing. Ends up giving his heart to the Lord. We find out he's been on crack cocaine. He got delivered. I think he's still free today. That last I heard was a year or two ago, but he was still clean then. Here's what happened to that kid. The night before, he had a dream that he was supposed to come to a meeting in the building where we were doing these School of the Spirit meetings. He shows up, meets the Lord, gets saved, and gets delivered. Because we believed that we could impact the atmosphere of the region that we were sent to. You can effect change in Jessup, Georgia tonight if we begin to agree with the limitless reality of heaven. And here's what happens to us. And it's normal. But nobody ever said we were supposed to live normal. It's normal to start thinking according to the limitations that are imposed on an area. Well, you know, the economy's not that good because the farm... We had a drought last year. Well, you know, Isaac went down into Egypt in the season of famine and sowed there. And in the season of famine, reaped a hundredfold. And so the God reality, again, just completely disrupts our natural limitations. There's a testimony on hand that you do not have to live according to the natural reality where drought and famine are concerned. And so if the economy's bad here, your property ought to flourish. Why? Why well, I didn't know there was a drought. I'm in heaven. There's no drought in heaven. There's no drought where I come from. Your land ought to be flourishing right now. I'm telling you, we ought not be subject to the things that are going on around us in an economic sense. It's a choice. But if our minds are not renewed, Paul goes on to say in Romans 8 that if your mind is not renewed, it's actually hostile to God is that right yes. Staying on the scripture here an unrenewed mind is hostile towards God hostile towards Christ or you might go ahead and say this that an unrenewed mind or a mind who thinks according to the natural progression or the way things should naturally occur because there happens to be a famine in the land if you think according to the natural progress of things this mind is hostile to God, hostile to Christ, anti-Christ. Didn't John say that the Antichrist is already among you and He's in the world? But the resistance to that is this. Remember this, you've already overcome Him because greater is He who is in you. It's tapping into the reality of the One who dwells in you. In you. You know, the spirit really the spirit of the Antichrist gets exalted every time we figure out what we're gonna do based on just rational this is the way things are. You start thinking like that, you're already in a mess. Boy, this is um conflicted here. Satan's big strategy is to get us to agree with what we can see. That's not big news really if he can just get us to break agreement with heaven see that's what he tried to get Jesus to do if I can just get him to break agreement with heaven then I've got him what did he do with Adam and Eve got him to break agreement he encouraged them to believe something different than what God had said this is simple faith 101 this happened to people in Jesus' hometown they said oh can anything good come out of Nazareth they were so conditioned To believe what they had always seen and heard about Nazareth, that there was no way in their thinking that anything of any value could come out of that place. And yet something did. They couldn't receive it because their minds were unrenewed to possibilities, they were were conditioned to an impossibility. We've got to remember that our lives are supposed to be marked by confronting and overcoming impossibilities. We need to begin to reach into that realm where we reside with Him and bring the realities of that realm into this realm. Now here's how that works. I have a 12-year-old daughter. Sweet little girl. Loves horses. She's a little intercessor. She prays for people. Came up to me Sunday morning. We were, we were ministering Sunday morning. We had some stuff going on. And we just... We just began to reach up into the heavens to take hold of things that were needed in the earth. So she comes to me after we get through. We're still ministering to people. And she walked up to me. She said, hey, Daddy. She said, we got Rob and Sharon. I said, what? She said, we got Rob and Sharon. These are friends of ours that haven't met the Lord yet. She prays for these guys every night. She said, I just reached up and got their salvation. We got them in the kingdom. She's crying. And I thought, wow, God, that's awesome. My little 12 year old girl, she's going. What I didn't realize was she'd also laid up there and got her a horse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, Monday comes, the phone rings. We have some friends that said, hey, we found this deal. There's this horse that's on the market for $1,000, but we got a feeling you can get it for half price. So guess who bought a horse this week? Because my little girl reached into the realm where there are no limits, no reserves, and she got the salvation of some friends. She laid hold of a horse that she's been after for almost a year now, and Daddy's left reaching into the heavens for the $500. So, anyhow... I'm telling you, it's that simple. It's that simple. I saw a book in your bookstore by Leroy Thompson. I love Leroy Thompson. I was, I was listening to Leroy about five, six years ago. I don't know. My little boy, he's ten now. He's five years old, I guess, then. He grabbed those tapes and started putting them in his cassette player. And and I'd go in there at night and he's listening to Leroy. Money cometh to me. Money cometh to the body of Christ. You guys know Leroy? Some of you. If you don't, he's got an anointing. He really has an anointing. But I walked, I heard him mumbling around in his room one night, and I walked in and I said, Son, what are you doing? He said, Money cometh to me, Dad. And he just turned around and kept on with whatever he was doing. He goes out he goes outside. I heard the door shut. Five minutes later the door slams. He comes back in. He walked in, he said, Look at this. I said, what? He says, it's a $5 bill. I said, where'd you get that? He said, I got that from our next door neighbor. Now, our next door neighbor uh, is a recovering alcoholic who goes in and out of recovery from time to time. I said, what? I thought he must be in a bad way if he's just handing out fives. I said, what would he say to you? He said, well, it's watermelon season. He told me I needed watermelon money, so he gave me $5. Money cometh to me, Dad, and he just kept on... (laughs) So we got to train our kids to live in another realm. Why not? Salvation? You think? Well, heh, horses. I, why not? What? See, we got this idea. Like, well, it, you know, if she asked for a horse, well, somebody's somebody's healing or salvation could have been uh, sacrificed because we act like there's some kind of limit in heaven tonight. See, we got these ideas, well, uh, we, we can't ask for that, we need to ask for that. Ask for all of it. Ask for all of it. He said, it's my good pleasure to give you the kingdom, to represent the reality of a life without limits in the face of a bunch of people who only know life by the limits. Why not have that kind of a testimony? childlike faith, just to reach up into the heavenly realm and lay a hold. By the way, I did this, and I'm standing back there, and I thought, well, Lord, I just reach up, I want to bless you, and as soon as I did, the Lord dropped a healing for diabetes into my hands. Who needs that one tonight? Who needs that here tonight? All right, anybody else? Okay. All right, anybody else? Okay, stand up. Here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to lay, we don't have to lay hands. I'm just telling you, this thing's been released to us tonight. This thing's been released. Here's what I want you to do. I want you just to raise your hands. And by, this is just by faith. We're just going into this place by faith. We're raising our hands. It's just faith. We're just going to stick our hands up as an indication that we're reaching into that place where God dwells for this thing that He's already released. And we're going to take hold of this gift of healing from diabetes right now. Lord, we just receive that. We thank You that it's been released from heaven for us tonight. Lord, for us to uh, take and administer to those with need. Lord, we just we lay hold of that. And, and the appropriate thing to do when you receive a gift is simply to say what? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Now, take that and go minister to that individual. Go put those hands that just received that gift... Put them on that, that individual. We had this happen uh, three or four weeks ago. man came into our service. He had significant problems with diabetes. Uh, got a word from the Lord. Prayed for him in that meeting. He came back two weeks later. He had cut his insulin intake from four shots a day to one. So we celebrate 75% recovery where I come from. Because here's what the Lord showed us. If you'll celebrate the 10% progress, if you'll celebrate 20 And 30, I'll entrust you with 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100%. See, because the way you handle the 10% really is the way you're going to handle the 100. You think, well, I'll shout if... Yeah, here's how we got that one. We we needed $10,000, our congregation did at one point, for a particular uh, ministry thing that we were trying to engage in. Oh, we're just, you know how you pray down in heaven. Oh, God, send it, send it, send it. Oh, 10000 We believe for $10,000. We believe in $10,000. You know, you just working it. Go to the post office. Open the mailbox. Open up. Oh, there's a check. Glory to God. $10,000. Oh, that's 100 bucks. Huh. That's about how I responded. And the Lord said, if you'll thank me, like that was $10,000. i will see to it that the 10000 comes. Son, I got happy in the post office. I can tell you that right now. I went out and got in my van. My kids were sitting there. I was shouting. They said, what's going on? I said, we got $100. Woo! My kids, you know, $100 to them is 10000 So they went crazy. <laughs> and it's kind of become this thing in our family now. If money shows up at the post office, the kids just go nuts. It can be $5 or 50 cents. They don't care. Here's what happened. A week later, I go back to that same P.O. box, same post office, same small town. I pull an envelope out of there and the address is Evans Correctional Center in Bishopville, South Carolina. This is a letter from prison. Pastors get things like that. It's usually asking for help. I thought, well, praise the Lord, what else is in here? I open up this letter with a return address from a correctional center. It's a check for $10,000. Now watch this. There was a man who was in maximum security. An individual from our church had been in that prison doing some ministry, told this man about a particular work we were doing with the children in our city. This man in maximum security on a life sentence, said, you know what? I hadn't paid tithes in a long time. I think I'm going to send some money to that church and send us. This guy had money just sitting somewhere gaining interest. He sends us $10,000. A man in prison. Now, if you don't think God can't get whatever you need to you, He'll use somebody in prison to get you what you need if you will simply demonstrate faith in the reality of That we live in a world without limits. In a world without limits. It's frightening the possibilities that we have to influence a city. The whole purpose of all of this is found in Matthew chapter 5. And what I'm talking about may not sound like it to you, but I'm talking about the restoration of the tabernacle of David. Tabernacle of David, the responsibility for this tabernacle was given to a man who broke the rules. David took his men, they went through the fields, and they ate the heads of grain on the Sabbath. We can't do that. It's against the law. That's what the Pharisees said. Well, they were hungry. He ate the showbread. You can't do that. You can't eat the showbread. Well, we did. Well, you can't bring the ark up like that. Well, we did. Well, you can't leave the ark out in the middle of a field like that and raise the flaps. Well, we did. So the tabernacle of David is this place that's accessible It's heaven on earth accessible to every man that passed by. What does that have to do with what I'm talking about? We are the restoration of the tabernacle of David. We're supposed to roll up the flaps of our lives and let people see God on the inside of us. They see us moving in supernatural power. They see us living in supernatural peace. They see us resourced. When the economy is going up and down and the world's in a recession and we're not. They see us giving things away with lavish generosity. It doesn't make sense in the face of the economic situation. They see us living different lives marked by the reality of another world. That's the the restoration of the tabernacle of David. Acts said, this would be a mark of the end times that I will restore the tabernacle of David. What is it? Is it it 24-hour worship and intercession? That's a part of it. That facilitates it, but honestly it's this. It is we who carry the ark of God within us Allowing him to be seen in our lives by every man that takes a look at us, that they can pass by and they can see the glory of God. It's accessible to the common man. The tabernacle of David's been restored, and I believe Jesus is pointing to this in Matthew chapter five. Take a look at this with me. We've got a little bit more ministry, and then we're gonna we'll uh, relieve you of your obligation to be kind to us. Matthew chapter five. Well, it helps. Matthew's M-A-T, Mark's M-A-R. All right, let me back up here just a little bit. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but they set it on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. That's that setting of the tabernacle in a visible place where every man has access, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your excellence and your praiseworthy, noble and good deeds and by that they will recognize and honor and give glory to your Father which is in heaven. When we carry this thing the way we're supposed to, men will look at the reality of our lives. They will say of us, there's no way. I know Keith Smith. I know Nathan Scott. There's no way. He's not got that much on board. That has to be God. And they give glory and they acknowledge your Father, which is in heaven, because they see a heavenly reality demonstrated in these vessels of flesh. Isn't that what Paul said? We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the excellence of the power may be shown to be of God and not of ourselves. And so here we are. We look limited. We look just as limited as the guy standing in line with us at Walmart. But I'm living in a different realm. He has no idea that he's about to come under the influence of the kingdom from which I have emerged. (laughs) And I release a little bit of glory with a prophetic word or a word of healing. Listen, we've had tremendous miracles in checkout lines healings we 've got kids doing this stuff. It, you know how many of you understand really your only point of reference for children is your own, and so you have to tell stories about your kids because you don 't know stories about other people's. My son, two years ago, we sent out people on faith courses. We sent some of our guys out to do crazy stuff. We gave them assignments. go to Walmart, find a lady in a red hat, give her a word. you know this kind of thing just just to get them out and get them moving. My little boy standing there, he said, Daddy, I want to go with Pat. Pat's one of our older guys. He's one of my young leaders. I said, are you sure? I mean, he said, yeah, I want to go with him. And so they go to Walmart. uh, They find somebody that we had targeted with this assignment. And honestly, we're just making this stuff up. Is that right? I mean, most of the time, we just sit around coming up with the craziest ideas to release these guys on faith courses. And so John Michaels with this crowd at Walmart, Pat gives this lady a word. John Michael starts talking to her about her husband. Just, you know, what do you feel like? What do you feel like? Well, I feel like God's saying something about her husband being healed or something. He didn't have a clue. This woman starts crying in Walmart at the word of an eight year old boy. Anybody can access heaven, they can release the reality of another world, and it brings people under the influence of the world from which we've been sent and the kindness of God will lead men to think differently about how God is. And when they do, they will give their hearts and their lives to Him. We're called to demonstrate the reality of another world. That's I'm telling you, don't change what you're doing. Don't change who you are because what you're doing here in that kind of worship, in that kind of atmosphere is equipping you with you're being reminded constantly of that other realm of glory in that place of worship and you can go out of here and you can release that light into the city and men will see that and they will acknowledge your your good deeds they will give you listen crazy stuff's going to begin to happen here's some of what it looks like Just simply this, you can be living your normal life. You don't even know sometimes when you're operating out of that realm when you really get moving in it. I was having some trouble one day trying to figure out what I was supposed to speak on at a particular meeting. I had a choice of a message that was based out of Isaiah 43 concerning God's heart to do a new thing and something else. I'm sitting at lunch with some people and my cell phone vibrates. I pull my phone out, it's a text message. Problem is, it was a text message from myself. And the only thing on the text message was 43. So we're just living in the realm of the supernatural. God spoke to me through a text message from me to me on my own cell phone. Why well, does not make any sense? And see, so He doesn't have to make sense. He's God. He just does this stuff. And I think He has a great time. And if we'll loosen up, we can have a great time with Him.